welcome to the Hereby Call podcast, where we focus on preparing the called and reminding the returned by sharing life-changing experiences from serving the Lord. Sit back and relax because you're listening to the best podcast of this dispensation. What is going on, everybody? This episode of the Hereby Call podcast is being recorded live. All of them are recorded live, though, <laughs> but we're... we're gonna do this 100% unedited this is this is freestyle it's raw this is raw there's no edit to this that's right we got a lot of people out there in quarantine that are starving for content and funny story well you'll hear I was quarantined a few times on my mission unwillingly so sit back and enjoy the show <laughs> that was pretty good time that was a good time <laughs> yeah, I was right with the music so Zach was quarantined a number of times Zach, why were you quarantined on your mission? I was quarantined four different times for three different reasons. Um, one of them being Carnival, Carnival. I served in Brazil, Rio de Janeiro. North mission is the mission I was called to. Um, but while I was in the MTC, it split and I served in the Vitoria mission. But You hold on to that, the Rio de janeiro well that's what i was called to because i always whenever people ask her like what, what mission i was like i think it was rio de janeiro but you didn't serve I, I served in the state of rio for a year so a whole not in rio de janeiro the city oh I so know. it's like rio it's, it's like, like new york mexico, new york mexico city yeah, yeah. Gotcha. so um i was called to serve in the rio de janeiro north mission when i got there it just happened to have a different name so you're in brazil and carnival yeah. is one of the reasons Carnival. it happens twice well, during your mission, well, every February. Every year. Yeah. Um, I was quarantined, loosely quarantined on that. And then during, I was down in Brazil during the South African World Cup, which was nuts. I think Brazil made it to the quarter or semifinals that year. You were quarantined in Brazil and the World Cup was in South Africa. Yeah. It was for my own. It was in South. Yeah. Yeah. South Africa. It was for my own good. It's just crazy outside. Just a lot of excitement. Oh, yeah. People live for soccer down there. That is 100% correct. Like the world stops. Like there would be no, it could be North Korea playing Taiwan and everybody's watching it. Oh, okay. Nobody's working. Like was, was Brazil just out of curiosity, was Brazil pretty good that year that you, I mean, they're From what I good. remember, yeah. Of course, Brazil. everybody thought they were going to win. Again, I think I made, they made them to the quarter or semifinals. Um, I can't remember right off the top of my head. They lost to Denmark. I think, yeah, Denmark. I think Spain went to win it that year. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just insane down there. So tell us about the first time you were quarantined on your mission. How, yeah. How long had you been out? I'd been out a little, well, the first time I was quarantined on my mission was during Carnival. Oh, okay. Um, the first time I was quarantined, nothing really happened. We just sat and studied. And, and the first time it happened, I was in a small enough town that we could leave between the hours of like 11 and two. So we had to come home at two and then study and clean or do whatever. It's just, it wasn't, it wasn't too crazy. The, the, the third time I was quarantined, um, I was in a, a major city uh, and it was a lot crazier. So we couldn't go out at all. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the time that I wanted to talk about on this episode, there might be about two or three different qualms of quarantine is what we're going to call it um was actually when a companion of mine who i was with when the world cup happened he got appendicitis tell us about it 
yeah, I guess we'll just jump right into it. So, um, yeah, we woke up on a P day. It was a P day and he wakes up and he, he had woken up, I want to say maybe an hour or two earlier than six o'clock. He's so excited for P day. He's like, it's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> right. But he wakes up and he's just like, Hey man, I've just been, and I woke up at six. Right. And he's just like, I look at him and he goes, man, I've been up for the last couple of hours. My, my stomach really hurts. And I'm like, I was trying to, what I was trying to understand and get out of him was, is it a pain or is it like a sick feeling? Like, is it a sharp pain or a sick feeling? And he's like, I don't know, man. I just don't feel good. So I called him the, the mission mom and I go, Hey sister, uh, elder Eric was his name. He's not feeling too good. Well, what's a mission mom? Um, well, we always just called her sister. It's the, it's the mission president's wife. Okay. Mission mom. I don't know. I she, would either call her mom or. She becomes a mother to you, but I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. I we, we would, I remember calling her mom or my, um, or we would just call her sister. I can't, you know, sister Pickett. I had, I was served under Scott Pickett. President Scott Pickett, um, Nancy Pickett, that was her name. Anyways, I call her and she's like, oh, just give him some, some Buscopin. And Buscopin was almost like a cure-all. I don't know, you would, Tylenol or, I don't know, Excedrin or something. They're like, it'll, it'll knock out and it'll make him feel better. It's like a pain reliever. Yeah, yeah. Reducer. Um, so I give it to him and he falls right back asleep. And we actually had to, uh, it's a funny story behind this is, he, he was to the point where he couldn't move. He's like, I'm in, if I move, I, I can't, I don't know if I'm going to throw up or pass out. Like I feel really, really, really weird. And luckily our apartment, we were on the third story, um, right across the street was a supermarket. And so I actually had to run down there by myself, go buy Buscopin. And he was looking at me through the window and like, we could see each other. And I had to run all the way back up to go to give him the Buscopin. Um, and, and sister mission, sister was like totally cool with that. She's like, as long as you, you can see him sight and sound. Yeah. You're okay. And so I was like, all right, well, I'll make it real quick. Um, and so I gave it to him and he, he was, he felt good enough that he could go back to sleep. And I was like, sister, I'm just going to let him sleep. So he slept for about another hour or two and I had already been up studying and everything. And, and he woke up and he's like, Hey, I'm actually feeling, I'm feeling a lot better. Let's go, let's go do P day. And that day we had actually scheduled, um, with a member down there who he either owned or would coach like a basketball club and basketball isn't really big in Brazil, but there's like little pockets. So Anderson Vettejean is from where the, the city I was serving in or around it or something like that. So there's like little pockets of people who pra practice basketball, right? It just wasn't as popular, but he, you know, and the companion that I was with at the time was actually a, a either a semi-pro or a professional uh, volleyball player down in uh, Curitiba. Curitiba is the South of Brazil and volleyball is really popular down there. He's a Brazilian. Yeah. He was by 6'3". Is, is this beach volleyball? Uh, no, court volleyball. Okay. Yeah. And the dude, he could, he could dunk, man. So we went, we went and get hops. Oh yeah. We, and he was one of the the tall guys. I don't know what the positions are in volleyball in front of the net, either blocking or spiking. That, uh -huh. that was him. And, uh, so we go to this, this court, if you will. Um, it's basically a soccer indoor soccer ball court with a, a backboard welded to the top of the goalpost. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of, you know, rudimentary, but we ended up this, this member had been talking all this trash. Oh man, I'm, you know, I own a basketball school. We're so good. You know, I'm going to beat you American. And, uh, I'm like, dude, I don't even play basketball. Like I, I could care less. 
Um, but he, I, he thought it was the coolest because Leandro Barbosa played for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. So he thought I knew him. I'm like, dude, I've, I've, I don't know him. <laughs> like, yeah. Anyways, it was, it continued to be the most embarrassing basketball game I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, this guy was laying it up from outside the key. Like it was almost like Michael Scott on the <laughs> episode of the office where he goes, I usually make those, you know? And I'm, and I, I hate, I don't hate basketball. I'm just not good at it. So I was there just throwing threes down, just, you know, trying to make half court shots and stuff like that. And my companion was playing. And like I said, he could dunk, man, cause he could jump. So he was throwing it down, you know? Um, NBA jam style, nice. just doing all these like crazy tricks and stuff. And, um, you know, it, it, we played till maybe 10 till maybe like one, you know, so it was actually, we played for quite a, a while. Long time, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we took the bus ride home and on the bus ride home, he's sitting there and he goes, elder, elder man is my, my stomach is starting to hurt again. And I'm like, okay, well I can't get you home any faster than the bus, you know, like we're going as fast as we can. And like, it seemed like as soon as he told me he didn't feel good, it seemed like every single bus stop, somebody would want to get off or get on. Right. So it's like taking longer and longer and longer to get to our apartment. And finally we got to our bus stop and our bus stop was like three quarters of a mile away from our actual apartment. And we could have taken another bus, but we would have had to wait and might as well just walk. So I get off the bus, I turn around and he's not behind me. He's well, he's not right behind me. He's maybe, you know, 20 yards back. And he looks at me and I look at him and then he just proceeds to just projectile vomit all over oh. the sidewalk. He's out of the bus. Yes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> he just looks at me, puts his hand on the wall and just lets her rip, dude. <laughs> and the bus is still parked right there. Like, like the bus totally could have left. It's, like, it's, I wonder how this guy's doing. It's like Napoleon Dynamite when he when the bus pulls up and they shoot the cow. Uh-huh. It was like that. Like it was right in front hey, of. The, yeah. So I just immediately start laughing because that's like the picture that I see in my head. Everybody on this bus is just walking, watching this dude just blow his. You know, he was just spitting everywhere. And he actually started chuckling too because he couldn't control it. He's like, I'm, I don't feel sick. I don't. It's just it's coming. And I'm like, okay, all right. So by the time we get to our apartment, he's like doubled over. He could barely walk up the stairs. Um, we get him into, you know, his bed. And then I call uh, sister again and I'm like, hey, he's really not doing good. And they were completely on the other side of the mission. Your mission president and his wife. Yeah, my mission president and his wife. They're completely on the other side of the mission. And I want to say it's maybe like eight to nine hours by car. And I actually looked it up. I always thought my mission was like extremely massive just based well, on that's how still that's eight to nine hours well that's far. well i thought it was based on how long it took but it's really not like if you had it's like you're driving your own car it's you, maybe like the size of three quarters the size of california or something like that but if i was to yeah if in a straight line in the highways here in america like but it would take eight to nine hours to get to the top of the mission and eight to nine hours to get to the bottom so he was he was way away so i give him buscapan again and he he takes a nap and uh, he wakes up and he's like, this isn't going anywhere. This is bad. Like something's wrong inside of me. And I'm like, dude, well, what do you want me to do? We give him a blessing. Um, but, you know, at that point it was like, there's something really wrong with Elder Eric. And um, I've I tried calling the sister mission or sister missionary, the sister picket again. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? But she... 
you know, they're so far away. I don't know if they were traveling. I can't remember, but I was unable to get a hold of them. And essentially I was like, I, I had made the executive decision. I said, I'm taking this guy to the hospital. And so we took, uh, I called a, a member of the, of the ward there who was a taxi driver. I said, Marcelo, you got to take me and elder Eric, uh, to the hospital. He's not, he's not okay. And the only two things I grabbed were our health card, my health card. Like so a like insurance. Yeah. Insurance I don't know if it was just because I was an American down there. I don't remember if he had one, but I took mine and a debit card. That was it. That's all I had. And I stuck him in my gym shorts and off we went. Oh yeah. You didn't even change from. No, 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 no. I was just still sweaty, still like all pasty, nasty, you know, smell horrible. And off we go to the hospital. And I remember Marcelo, we get to the hospital and he goes, are you going to pay me? And I'm like, dude, I, ha I don't have anything. Like all I have was my, my debit card. And at that time, I don't know if they didn't have the scanners. Yeah. They don't have the, the scanners and the taxis down there. They might now, but anyways, so we walk into the hospital and we had talked about this offline. I just remember so vividly, it was the weirdest hospital I've ever been in to my life. This is the second hospital I went into on my mission. The first one was for a completely different reason and a completely different story. But this hospital it was like walking into like a five-star restaurant. There was a full-time employee playing Disney songs on the piano. And like, there was like lunch tables. It was really weird. I'm like, what the heck? This is the weirdest, you know? And I remember vividly, I walked in there and he, he was playing, uh, I can show you the world, the Disney song. Yeah. And, I, and like, I'm over there humming and my companion's like, <laughs> you know, about to, to spew. Anyways, I walk up to the desk and I'm like, this is me. I'm an American. I'm a, you know, a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. My companion is in a lot of pain. We don't know what's wrong with him, um, but he can barely stand up. He can barely move. And I just remember he was like hunched over and they're like, okay, okay, okay. Let's, because he looked like, like visually that. in pain. Like you could tell something was really wrong. So they took us like, they didn't even, I don't remember filling out any paperwork or anything. They just took him back, sat him in a chair in a room, much like the room that we're sitting in, just like a, a 10 by 10 room. And a doctor came in and said, what's wrong? And he goes, I'm hurting my insides. I don't know what's going on. And they're like, okay, we'll go sit in the lobby. And they just, they stuck morphine in them. And I'm like, whoa, like that's it. No paperwork or anything. No. And I'm like, holy moly. And I remember looking around and I noticed a lot of people in, in the, it, it looked to me that a lot of people in that room that we were in had like quote unquote fake injuries. They were like had wrapped their knee very haphazardly with like sports tape and said, oh, my knee hurts. And they were going in there to get high essentially off of the morphine and then just walk out. Mm. So it was just really, it was just like, what is going on? Anyways, for the longest time, uh, we just sat there and waited because I don't know if they were trying to figure out our insurance or whatever, but we just waited there for the longest time. And then finally a doctor comes up and goes, Elder Eric, come with me. And that's the thing. They thought his first name was Elder because Elder is actually a, a quasi common first name oh, in okay. Brazil. So they're like Elder Eric, you know, they call him Elder. Come on over. And I remember like I kind of just stood in the doorway and the doctor was poking his stomach and they poked his, I don't know if it was, I think it was over his left leg and then pulled it out real quick. And he screamed so loud. I was like, oh my gosh. They're like, yep, you have appendicitis. We need to operate right now. And then they look at me and they're like, can we do it? And I'm like, I don't know. Go like, and they're like, well, did you, did you figure out all the insured stuff? And I'm like, I don't know. 
And so on the back of the insurance card, there's a phone number for Salt Lake. And at this time, it's already like 930 at night. Oh, so, so you, you I were kidding when you said we've been there for hours. Yeah, you've just been there, all day. there. And luckily they got him to, a. I want to say they got him to a stable point. Like, I don't think it was appendicitis. Maybe the morphine, maybe his appendicitis was getting better, but the morphine made him feel good. So he was just kind of dozing off. And anyways, so at this point, it's like 930. And I called the Salt Lake phone over on the back. And I'm like, hey, this is who I am. This is my mission president. This is the mission I'm serving in. This is where I am. They want to operate on my companion. And he's like, whoa, 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 what's going on? I'm like, he has appendicitis. <laughs> oh, at least they're telling me he has appendicitis. And if they don't operate, it could pop. And then it's really bad. It could go septic and, you know, it's, you don't want to get to that point. And so, you know, I remember I literally handed my cell phone to, I don't know if it was a surgeon, but the guy who was like, we need to go now. I handed my cell phone to the guy and the person on the other line spoke Portuguese and they talked and then all of a sudden like, okay, let's go. And they, they took Elder Eric into the operating room and operated on him. And it took maybe, I th what f again, felt like another four hours, five hours. And uh, like I was just sitting in this this waiting room with all these people just Those doped out, uh, you know, <laughs> have morphine in their body. I remember a lady walked in there and she's like, my, my head is going to explode. And she's drooling all over. I think she had like a concussion or something. Oh. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so weird. But uh, by that time, I remember I was, I was shivering. I was so cold in that hospital because I was still in my gym shorts. And I had, I was, I was literally like, nice. I hadn't, and that's the other thing I hadn't eaten since breakfast. I just remember like shaking, you know, cause I was cold. I was hungry. <laughs> and, uh, finally sister Pickett calls me again and I'm like, okay, this is what's happening. And she's like, oh, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm okay. I'm just, um, this is just really weird. And anyways, they ended up right now it's, it's, it's about two in the morning, three in the morning and he comes out of surgery. And by that time we finally got a room and now I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable. Like there's a bed there for me well, a little like couch and he's totally passed out. And I'm like, okay, like finally I can just sit down and rest. And like I sat down, the room was dark and like I was, my eyes were so heavy and I just start like passing out and the doctor comes in and like shakes me and wakes me up and she goes, Hey, set an alarm on your phone for every 45 minutes. I need you to check his IV bag. And I like stared at her in the eye and I'm like, whoa, I'm again, I'm half asleep. I'm like, what's going on? What's what, what you want me to do? What? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Set an alarm on your phone for 45 minutes and then tell me how his IV bag is. And I'm like, isn't that, isn't that your job? Like, yeah. If you could do my job, I can get my, my rest in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So there I am every 45 minutes I walk up and with the light of the cell phone, I'm like holding it. I can barely see I'm holding it up against the bag. I'm like, okay, it's low. And I walk out there and I just remember there was like nobody. And so finally I found a nurse and they swapped out his bag, but I had to do that for like three days. I'm like, this is the weirdest thing ever. So the second day, by that time, Elder Eric had already woken up and that also the mission president had come down and he, he calls me and he goes, Hey, I'm going to come visit you guys in the hospital. And I remember I had a, I had a little five o'clock shadow going on for those of you who don't know me, I can shave in the morning and have a little five o'clock yeah, shadow. Zach can grow a full beard <laughs> in five days. Yeah. Full, like a full beard. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh. Like, again, I'm still wearing my gym clothes. I, I reek. I was, I smell so bad that I, 
you can smell yourself and you're just like, this is so nasty. Um, and I could take a, there was a shower there, but I didn't have any clothes. I'm not going to take a shower and go right back into dirty clothes. Um, so he showed up and he goes, well, why don't, you know, they talked to Elder Eric, find out, you know, how's he doing? He's doing a lot better. It was, it was a really bad appendicitis. Apparently it was about to pop. Um, and then the mission president goes, well, Elder Manus, why don't, why don't I just take you home so you can shower and get a change of clothes and I'll take you back. You have to stay here another night. Um, but at least you'll, you'll, you'll be clean and you can wear your missionary clothes. And I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, let's go do that. Um, and I remember, uh, president Pickett had bought, uh, a mission truck, a Toyota Hilux. A Toyota what? Hilux. It's kind of like a Tacoma, but it runs off like diesel. Okay. Um, really cool truck. I wish they sold them here. Um, but I remember like sitting in the car and smelling the smell of a car, your own, Oh, (laughs) of his car, of of a new car. Okay. I'm like, this smells like America. Like, (laughs) like I can, this smells weird, you know? But anyways, I remember getting to the, the apartment and going, I hope it's clean. Cause I honestly, we left so fast. We just got in and got out. Um, and luckily it was clean and he just sat on my bed and read scriptures while I took a shower, shaved and got ready. It was like having him as my companion. He was just sitting there waiting for me, you know, and we ended up going back to the hospital and I stayed there another night and, uh, we got released the next day at like six in the morning. They're like, all right, you got to go. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't have a taxi or anything. So we called that member back up and he took us back to our apartment. Was he? And he knew you didn't have cash at this Yeah, time. he's like, like Dang do it. you have any money? And I'm like, Marcelo, dude, I got no money. I'm sorry. Um, uh, I, we, I did end up having to pay him. He was like very persistent. That's his livelihood. Like I was in that area for like six months. Hey, you going to pay me, man? I was like, fine, here. Finally paid him. But um, yeah, so we get back to our apartment and now I have to carry him. I have to figure out how we're going to get up the stairs because he has an open wound. Um, I, I had appendicitis after my mission and they gave me three little incisions, right? But he had the whole like four inch gash, you know, like massive. And I'll, they're like, and I think they specifically said, don't go up any stairs. Don't do this. Don't and I'm like, head. I live on yeah. the third floor. Anyways, we finally get him up there and lay him in his bed. And he's a big boy. He's, yeah, he's six, huge. Three, yeah. And so like I could, he couldn't like put his arm over me. You know, I couldn't like support him. He literally was like on top of me. Like, and so I was like trying to help him up like the stairs. Like a fireman carry up the stairs. Almost. Um, just because he's a, I'm like six, five, eleven, six foot. But the difference between six foot and six, three, six, four is quite a bit. You know, he's just a big dude. Finally get him in, lay him down in his bed. And I just, he just crashed. And we knew at that point we were on house arrest. We were on quarantine. We as in you because he's passed out. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> he's recovering. And me, I'm, I'm on quarantine. I can't, he's I can't do anything. Yeah. You know, like I can't, I can't go teach. I can't do anything. And at that time, the church had just come out with a rule. I don't know if it was our mission or Brazil or the entire churches. We could only leave with Melchizedek priesthood holders. We couldn't leave with ironic priesthood holders. So all the Melchizedek priesthood holders, you know, the few that are in our ward work. So during the day, we're sitting there trying to figure out lessons, you know, who can leave with us. And we taught a few lessons with the bishop and 
you know, um, another Melchizedek priesthood holder would just sit with my companion and talk. And, you know, some of them would bring like their, their kid in there and bring homework and stuff like that. But yeah, man, it was, it was, it was a rough couple days in the beginning. And I remember by the third day I was going absolutely insane. I was, this probably where every missionary identifies with you right now. (laughs) Yeah. Right now. Yeah. They're all in quarantine and uh, you know, you're so used to this pace. I wake up, I study, I eat and I go and preach, Yeah, eat, sleep, preach, repeat, you know? And now it's like, I wake up, I study, I eat and I sit. It was really, really hard. I mean, for all the slackers out there that are like, dude, that would have been the coolest thing ever. No, even the slackers would have been like, and my apartment was literally maybe like 600 square feet. So it's like, I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't do anything. You want to hear a Disney song reference that gets to me? What's that? It's a BR guest and the, what's the candlelight dude's name? Anyways, he's singing BR guest to bell and he's like life is so unnerving for a servant who's not serving yeah he's not whole without a soul to wait upon and it's like there's nothing worse as a missionary than like i've got nothing to do well and we had some people progressing pretty well and they ended up getting baptized like they were really good people but at the same time it's like i'm sitting there and i'm like i want to go teach i want to go talk to this person i want to go talk to that person and it was tough because i could just i could just all i could do was sit you know and that was the, the, the flip side to that was in Brazil, you walk everywhere. So I was walking 10, 15 miles a day. I come home exhausted. I'm not going anywhere. So You're not when it's time to go to sleep, I couldn't do anything. Right. And my poor companion, you know, he's, I'm so sorry this happened. And I'm like, dude, like it could have happened to anybody. It could have happened to me. Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, by day three, I was just losing my mind. So what did you guys, you said you had progressing investigators. What did you do to keep them while you're kind of in this weird situation? Yeah. So like I said, we had left and taught with, like I, I went on okay. splits with the the bishop uh-huh. and um, uh, it was actually really good because he was the bishop, right? The, uh, missionaries come and go, but the bishop stays there for a while or he's in the ward for a while. So the, the investigators that we were teaching progressed really well because he was a part of the, the lessons, you know? So yeah, we would leave at like seven o'clock at, at night and come back at nine, but we had two or three, three or four lessons planned and we just crank them out. And it was actually really good for him too, because, um, he was really motivated to, to bring these people into the church and, Oh, you know, they would be so good in this type of a calling. So it helped, it helped actually helped animate the ward. And, and prior to that, that, that ward hadn't seen a baptism, I think in almost two years. And I remember, this is a little side note, but I remember going to him when I got to that area, I had just become a senior companion and I go, I went to him and I'm like, where haven't people taught? Cause I want to go there because they don't know about the church. And he, I remember he sat down and he's like, it's not about where people have or haven't gone. It's about your ability to teach. And I was like, Oh dang. And I remember he's like four foot, nothing. This little Bishop told me that. And I was like, Oh, yeah, okay. You know, but it was really cool because all of those baptisms that we had were within like two miles of his house. And I wanted to go like the furthest neighborhood, you know? And so it was actually really, really, really cool 
um, that he became a part of, of the missionary work during that time. And he, again, he was really motivated to, to, uh, to help these people progress. So, but again, by day three, man, you know, you look, you have from six in the morning till seven at night that you're awake. That's over 12 hours. And you, you know, I'm just pacing. I am just pacing. Yeah. What'd you do to stay busy in your little, I mean, you can only, you, everybody knows this. You can only read so much. You can only study so much before you just start just staring at words and nothing makes sense. And you just get bored or you get distracted. And that was me, man. And after three days of just studying, like I couldn't even study for 10 minutes. I was like, I'm so burnt out. I need to like, I did like, I remember one day I did like 500 pushups, which was big for me. Cause I like lost a million pounds on my vision, you know? <laughs> um, like every, every 20 minutes I did a set of, or every five minutes I did a set of 10 for as long as I could. I don't know. I can't remember. Um, but I remember specifically, um, on day three, opening the refrigerator in the morning and looking and saying, we have no food. Like, this is ridiculous. We're like, going to die. Yeah. We have no food. <laughs> my, my, my companion's appendix has fallen off, you know? Wait, did you guys keep it though? Yeah. He kept his appendix. He, he put it in the, in the freezer. Baggy. Yeah. It looked like a little, to me, it just looked like if you had smashed your pinky with a hammer, like 30 times as hard as you could, <laughs> it, it was just so small. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a weird fact. But anyways, um, by day three, yeah, we had no food. And I remember as soon as I shut the, the, the refrigerator door, had a little tender mercy down, down in the street. I could hear somebody screaming my name, El de Manis, El de Manis. And I'm like, what the heck is going on at six in the morning? Like, why is this dude screaming? Um, and you guys aren't on the first floor. Right? No, we're on the third floor. So the guy's just like screaming and I'm like, I look out and it's Pedro. Pedro is like this, he's, I call him my mission dad. Like he's just, he was one of those members that like literally would give you anything. And he came up and he gave us so much food. And I remember vividly, he gave us corn flavored yogurt. Yeah. It it, it tastes exactly like. Yeah. That's called cream of corn. I think. (laughs) No, I don't even, like it literally just takes, tasted, yeah, it might taste like cream of corn. I don't know if I've had cream of corn, but it tasted literally just like an unbuttered, unsalted ear of corn. It was disgusting. I hated it, but I was very grateful to have it. So I ate it. Lesson to be learned. Um, but yeah, he, he gave us a bunch of food and again, the whole ward really kind of rallied around us because it wasn't like he was taken out of commission based on a stupid decision he made. It was just like, hey, hey. You guys are busy teaching people. Yeah, we're we're hustling and bustling. And it just, seriously, from sun, my PDA was on a Monday. So from Sunday at church to Monday, it's like our world got flipped upside down. So it was really awesome. The members came and brought us lunch. Um, in Brazil, lunch is really big. They don't really do dinner. Um, so, you know, they would bring us lunch. And, you know, we just really, we really got close to the ward during that time. That was another cool thing. But, uh, I had convinced a, a young man, um, in that ward to go buy me a laser pen. I had given him five hay eyes. I think the laser pen was two. And I said, dude, just keep the three, just go get me a laser pen. Uh, cause I need something to play with. And the, the camera I had at the time could do the open aperture stuff. So I'd like draw on the walls with laser pens, like right. Elder Manis or whatever, just doing stupid stuff. But I, I got bored of that within so like you just using it to draw pictures. Yeah, I got bored of that within like three minutes, 
And I'm like, what the heck? And so I had this laser pen on the third floor of this apartment and I can't sleep at night. So I just like, um, in Brazil, there are a lot of transient people. And it's funny cause they, they always seem to have like decent clothes. There's some that are like really bad and some that like they're, I don't know if they're really homeless or they're just wandering the streets all night. Uh, but I remember there's one guy who was pretty hammered and he was, uh, he was walking down the street and he was yelling. I think he was singing a song or something, but I shined a laser pen at him and he stares at it on his chest and he starts like trying to brush it off. Uh-huh. And then I put it down on the ground behind him and he's like staring at it and like turns around to walk and I like started following with the laser pen and he starts like slowly jogging like trying to he didn't know what this thing was I don't know if he had never even I was gonna say our laser pens I don't know if he had never seen one or if he was just that drunk that or if he was on drugs or something that that made it uh um you know that strange to him but uh yeah and then I you know I would shine it in front of him like you take it from behind it. He's like running away from it, put it in front. He's like, ah, ah, running. <laughs> and I'm seriously just like sitting up there, like this bored. Is like, like, this like the best, the most exciting thing that's happened. To you yeah, right. Days. I'm just like shining it at this, like this drunk guy who's running down the street. And I'm just like, Oh man, I got bored of that within five minutes. So, um, yeah, I had a little bit of fun with that. And I, I just remembered, just trying to do as much as I could. I think that was the one thing my mission president said. He's like, Hey, this is going to be, this is a, this is a trial. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a busy guy. I'm always tinkering. And so he knew my personality very well. And that's a testament to mission presidents is I, he, he knew me better than I knew me. So he, he told me, he's like, this is going to be hard for you, uh, but do as much as you can. And I, I did everything I could. Um, but yeah, that was the, the first the real time that I felt quarantined was when my mission companion had appendicitis and we had to get an emergency sucked out of him. <laughs> and that's crazy that it sounds like because of that appendicitis, you guys grew closer to the ward and to the bishop. Yeah, the, it was. And the work continued. Yeah, it was really strange. And it, and it was funny because he recognized that also. And he's like. Your companion? Yeah, he's like, dude, like. When he got better five days later, I remember we could only go out for like two or three hours at a time. And then we'd have to sit and have a rest uh, just because his stomach still hurt because he has this massive open wound. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I remember we would leave for a couple of times or for a couple hours and come back. But I just I remember him saying, like, this ward is different because we went through this. Like, it's weird, you know, and again, um Drex and Dave had talked about the big old spider web, right? You're just a little teeny, teeny piece of the spider web that, uh, you know, when you look at it, at the big picture, it kind of, it looks so beautiful, right? So Elder Eric getting appendicitis resulted in the bishop becoming more involved in the missionary work. Um, and members going out of their way to serve the missionaries. And then obviously we had like the motivation to give back, after he felt better. So I remember like, you know, we would just go to people's houses and say, thank you and leave them with a little spiritual message. It it really, it really strengthened the missionary work in that area. And like I had said before, that area had not had a baptism for about a year and maybe nine months. And I remember, I remember that specifically because I walked in there and I looked and I'm like, 
like I don't think anybody ever wanted to go to the area was called Andre Carlonia. Nobody ever really wanted to go to Andre Carlonia because the work just was just kaput, you know? And I remember going there and being like, dang, but I had motivation to, to fix it, you know? And it was, it was really outside of my control. And then when you see how the Lord, you know, maybe used elder Eric, giving him appendicitis to strengthen the ward, just, that was a really cool thing too, is how much it strengthened the ward. Like people that were inactive weren't necessarily going back to church, but they were reaching out. Hey, I heard because, you know, we were the only elders for, you know, maybe 10 miles. I don't know. I mean, we, there were some elders that were closer by, but everybody kind of knew who we were. The The neighborhood was big enough that, but small enough that walking down the street, everybody would yell Joseph Smith. They knew who you were. Um, but, you know, less active members that we would see in the street or, you know, that would come up to us. And we didn't even know there were members of the church saying, hey, I was less active, but I heard you're, you know, you're going through this. Do you guys need anything? Are you guys okay? And we're like, yeah, we're, we're great. But it was really cool to see. Again, you just feel like you're the, you're, I, I, all the time you feel like you're the chess player, right? Until you realize <laughs> you're the chess piece in the Lord's game, right? And yeah. you're just, he's just moving you. But uh, yeah, that was the first time. It was about, f- including P-Day, it was about eight days of quarantine. Dang. And I say quarantine because that's how it felt. I was able to leave, but that's definitely how it felt. And uh, I think that's how a lot of people are out there feeling right now. Starred for content. So I thought I'd share that little story. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. I think just us talking about it, like reflecting, like I was quarantined also during a hurricane. Oh yeah. We should do, we should ask you. Yeah. We, we, we can do that later on, but there's definitely me and Zach have empathy for you guys. <laughs> yeah. The elders and sisters yeah. And, and you know, what's interesting is I know, I know for a fact there's elders out there who listen to this podcast and um, one, it's really motivating to hear that people who are actively serving are supporting this and can get behind this. But two, that's the one thing you will always get out of me and always get out of Jordan is like the truth, you know, reality. I'm, I'm telling you. Yeah. We loved our missions, but we don't want to ever sugarcoat it. No, like no, those eight days I spent in quarantine were seriously the worst. <laughs> <laughs> those, those, again, people are like, Oh man. And there's a bunch of elders and sisters out, out there right now who are getting into what day, five. No, like it depends on your mission, but some are like on their second week now. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're losing their minds. So stick with it. Understand that as weird as this is and as weird as it is to be a missionary and not work, there are so much, there is so much happening right now that you don't see, but you get to be a part of. Like, for example, let's say this quarantine is lifted and you go and now you're teaching, you know, people might be more receptive because they were on quarantine too. And, you know, the world's in a crazy place right now. People are starting to think more about their spirituality and stuff like that. So as much as it is hard to be in quarantine right now and you're sick and tired of playing Uno and shoots and ladders or hide and go seek with your companion. Or watching um, all the church DVDs because that's what I did. Yeah. um, Just tough it out and just know that there's something happening there for a reason. And I think it's, this has nothing to do with being quarantined, but it has everything to do with what I'm saying. Um, you know, the, the message Russell M. Nelson, uh, gave on YouTube about COVID-19. 
mm-hmm. when he goes, this, this trial will pass. And he was really uplifting. He was, he was optimistic. Like, yeah. I mean, the dude's a doctor. I'm sure he's, he knows a lot, but have you read the comments? Uh-uh. There are so many people that are like, I'm Jewish, but I needed to hear this. I've been less active. I'm, I've got goosebumps right now thinking about it. I've been a less active member of the church for the last 19 years. And, you know, now I'm coming back and this message helped, you know? Um, yeah, just, or people who don't eat, you know, to, totally different side of the, the coin, completely different faith are respecting what President Nelson said. So again, there's, there's a lot of good happening oh, right yeah. now. And I, I got, I got two kids with one on the way. It's a very scary world, but to realize that like, if the prophet of the Lord tells me that this is going to pass, I'll, I'll put faith in that. Yeah. It's, it's been so funny to see how reflective people have been. And this is, I think this is one of those times where their minds are being prepared for the gospel and they realize like, all right, like all these distractions that social media and my smartphone has provided me for years and years, like it's kind of worthless. Yeah. It doesn't give me anything. Yeah. It's not fulfilling. Yeah. And, and I know like on, you know, we're day what? 10, 20, I don't know of this quarantine that people are getting sick and tired of social media. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, and what is, what has president Nelson been saying for the last, what, two years, yeah, limit your social distance, media social media, you know? Yeah. So, um, just know that you're just, there's a lot going on that you might not see. Be grateful that you're in the capacity that you're, you're able to be in, um, during this time. And again, that that's not just specific to the the elders and sisters that listen to this podcast, but also, oh, there's a phone ring. This is authentic. We're not <laughs> yeah. going to edit that out. Yeah. Don't worry. It should only ring once. There you go. But, uh, yeah, I think we want to call these the qualms of quarantine. These little, this, these next couple little episode sprints, they're going to be like 30 to 40 minutes long. Um, but stay tuned. And, uh, I'll, I'll, on the website, www.herebycall.com, on this episode... Is it www? I thought it was just herebycall.com. I mean, it's always www. World Wide Web, dude. Okay. <laughs> That's what that stands for. I know that, but okay. <laughs> I just don't type it in. I'm lazy. No, you don't need to. Um, on this on this page that I post this episode, I will show some some pictures of... You during quarantine? Me during quarantine in the, in the hospital and some videos <laughs> that I have, uh, you know, there, of us waiting in the lobby and I'm just like messing around with all the doctor equipment because we were there for like four hours, but I'll, I'll share some of that stuff. And then again, we'll have an episode two, three, four. We'll talk about the world cup. I got tons of content for that. So stay tuned. Um, yeah. And I was just going to say, if you have a video or something that you would like us to upload, is there like an email that they can reach us out? Yeah. You can, you can just go to podcast at herebycall.com. Like you can email podcast at herebycall.com or shoot us a DM on, um, Instagram, honestly, um, hereby called D O T C O M all spelled out. Um, we're going to start using that. I know I've said it in like two other episodes. We're going to start using that heavily, but I think now is a better time than any people are kind of if oh, you're yeah. out there starving for content, starving. we're going to do our best to, f- to feed you some COVID-19 content there. <laughs> uh, you got anything else, Jordan? No, that's all I got. All right, that's my episode one. So thanks again, guys, and stay tuned for more. Bye.